EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Well, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Subalero, and with me always is my good friend, Kelly Grayson. we got a really important topic today, and we're really going to jump right into it. In January, there was a position paper that came out. We did a show on it. Kelly and I did a show to talk about the position papers that came out and why there should be degrees or why there shouldn't be degrees. And, you know, one association came out and was kind of opposed to it, and then the NAMT came out with a position statement, and it really kind of opened up a uh, you know a Pandora's box, I think, to find a can of worms. And uh, we really wanted to try to get to the bottom of that. I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that are being said out there. I think there are a lot of things that are you know uh, being uh, interpreted. And I wanted to be able to go right to the leaders of the National Association. A couple shows ago, we had Matt Zavodsky on, who is the president of NAMT, and we have asked him back again. And Matt, I want to thank you for joining us once again on Inside EMS as we talk about this position that NAMT has taken in this topic. You're very welcome, Chris and Kelly. And and despite what you guys did to me last time, I did agree to come back on the show. So, <laughs> well, we we appreciate that. But Matt, I just you're, want to. You're always welcome, Matt. Always. <laughs> you're not always thank you, but you're always welcome. So. <laughs> But Matt, I do want to set it up this way. So you and I have known each other for 12 or so years. You know, we had the opportunity to work together at MedStar. I was, I actually worked, I, I, nobody works for you. We all work together, but I was in your chain. And, you know, we, we disagreed. We had some disagreements and you were very, very gracious to allow me the opportunity to voice my concern and voice my opinion. And as we had the opportunity to move forward, you know, sometimes I got a li- little bit of my way. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, it was for the bigger, greater good, and you taught me a lot of things, and, you know, I consider you a friend. And when the position paper came out from NEMT, I got to tell you that as I read it, and being part of NEMT since 1999, uh, being part of the board of directors, understanding a little bit of the politics, I was a little bit um, taken aback by, I'm going to say maybe the lack of position, so I guess, like, first question I want to ask you, which may be a little bit uh, powerful, is what the heck were you guys thinking? So, Chris, and I, I really appreciate being on the on the show with you guys today. And one of the things that you know from being part of NAEMT is that our membership is about a third, a third, a third. And you guys may have talked about this on your last show, but um, a third of our membership comes from public sector, a third of our membership comes from private sector, a third of our membership comes from um, others, hospital-based volunteers. And our board is representative of that membership. And this is such a significant step in our profession and in our professional advancement. We really gave careful deliberation to all of the issues 
some that many of our board members hadn't thought about and they educated us on. And, and that's really one of the great things that happens with a consensus process. And this position statement, much like I'm sure the other position statements from uh, the fire service and the educators and the managers, those were consensus process as well. This was a consensus process. And when you considered all of the potential unintended consequences, all of the issues that this might impact with rural EMS and other parts of our of our EMS agency and, and membership, this was what we came up with as probably the best option for our members and for our board to articulate a position without having the benefit of anyone having convened an industry discussion for, from all the different associations on this important issue. Matt, I, I, uh, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase uh, how disenchanted I am. Uh, I, I don't think that's any secret to you um, uh, from reading my, my commentary on social media. Uh, that I was not pleased with NAEMT's position paper in that regard, but and and it's a lot of credit to you for for coming on here and and uh, uh, bearding the dragon in his den. But I don't know that staking out a a clear position is is all that risky uh, or, or would would alienate uh, all your members. I, I think what you you did, my opinion, is that you you uh, waffled. In the position statement, so uh, such that that no position officially was taken, you know. And I, I do know some people uh, who were were parties to the the drafting of the opposition paper, and uh, and they I can't with uh, out of respect to them I won't mention their names and what uh, which one of the the signatories they were associated with, uh, but there was anything but consensus on on the opposition to paramedic degree requirements. But eventually that organization uh, did speak up and, and sign its name to the document. So they spoke with one voice. And I think what, what, what frustrates me is that uh, NAEMT, who I hoped had, had, uh, would, would do something along those lines, stake out a clear position, uh, did anything but. So my question is, is, is what is the, the issue with, with degree requirements? Uh, you would think that National Association of uh, the, the EMS managers, um, uh, you would think that a, a degree requirement and its attendant uh, rise in, in personnel and, and salary costs uh, would be opposed to that sort of thing, yet they're not. So, so where's the uh, where's the treacherous ground for the NAEMT to stake out a position in that regard? So, first, Kelly, I want to make it clear that if the opening statement in any EMT's position is that, and I quote, any EMT believes in the enhanced educational requirements for EMS workforce that supports the evolving role of EMS. That couldn't be clearer. I mean, any EMT's mission is primarily education. And whether that's clinical education, uh, managerial education, we've gotten into a lot of the education on financial acumen for um, EMS leaders. And we end the position paper by saying that there should be industry dialogue about the evolving educational requirements up to and including a degree for these enhanced roles that EMS agencies and EMS personnel are serving in their local communities. So I, I don't think it's, it's, 
now I understand that the National Association of EMS Educators and NEMSMA and and others might have wanted us to to stick a stake in the ground and say, yes, absolutely, degree programs should be a requirement. But we haven't heard yet from the state EMS regulators. We haven't heard from the American Ambulance Association. We haven't heard from a number of other stakeholders that really I would have hoped that everybody who has a stake in this issue would have convened and discussed. I go back, Kelly and Chris, to something that uh, was done three years ago, four years ago now, around the whole concept of community paramedicine. And over the course of a two-year process, a number of associations, I think nine altogether, including ASEP and the physicians and the AAA and NAEMT and NEMSMA, came to a single voice consensus about the transforming role of EMS. It is difficult. It took us two years, face-to-face meetings and straw man documents. That was not done here. So when you have a membership like NAEMTs, which, again, has that very diverse background, saying that, yes, we believe that enhanced educational requirements are good for the profession, good for the personnel, good for the patients that we serve. Um, So we open with that and we close with, we need to talk about it as an industry and decide what are the impacts, what are the um, things that we haven't thought about yet, much like we do with a lot of these major issues, and quite frankly, get the physicians to weigh in, get a number of other associations to weigh in. So we, our membership and our board wasn't willing to absolutely come out with a statement like others had that, yes, this should be a requirement by 2025, everybody should have a degree. We weren't ready to do that. I have a brief follow-up, and then I'll, I'll cede to Chris. Um, Matt, those those conversations, maybe not formal uh, uh, boards or, or commissions, uh, haven't been convened, but those conversations have been going on for as long as I've been in EMS. Um, and many people will say that at some point you have to quit discussing a topic to death and stake out a position on it. And I think that was where, where my issue with, with the position paper, uh, um, arose is that, you know, we've been talking about it forever. No one has staked out a position uh, with the exception of the flight uh, flight paramedics association and and name C and NIMSMA, um, and then the the opposition uh, parties, but you know this is not a new thing. We have we have been discussing this forever, and 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 I'm one of those people that thinks that you know uh, it's time to stop discussing it and make a decision. Um, I can see your your point, but I, I don't think that it's something that's fairly new, and, and I think it's something we've been discussing for far too long. Uh, to to uh, to not come out come to a consensus and 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 make a recommendation. So I've said my piece. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up and let Chris and 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 I'm 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 hearing your words here. I want to I want to listen to what you have to say. But uh, um, I, I don't necessarily buy that we haven't had time to discuss this argument. So I I, I do want to talk a little bit about politics here because one of the things I learned being part of NEMT is that the thoughts that we had really had to be thought through in a way that ensured that we were sending the best message possible. So when we think about the education that I received as part of the NAMT Board of Directors, you know, it takes you to a different level of understanding. 
So I want to talk about the politics of, you know, as you come out with the position statement that says, you know, we re we want to ensure that there's relevant education, you know, and then the last paragraph, you do talk about that dialogue. What would happen if NANT came out politically to say degree by 2025? What does that do to the career field? Well, let's back up for a second. So one of the things that our profession has struggled with is making evidence-based decisions on things like equipment and clinical procedures, not clinical procedures. There's often, thanks to um, PEC and, and some of the publications, there's usually some good evidence for dosages for drugs and that kind of thing. But using data to make decisions is something that we need to do more of. So part of our dialogue, and Chris, I'm going to come back around to your question here in just a second, is where's the evidence that shows, and Kelly, to your point, if we've been talking about this, and honestly, I've not been in any meeting with a number of different associations like we did for the EMS Transformation Project and some of these other things, uh, okay, where you, 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 have, you have huge whiteboards and everybody's sort of doing the nominal group process and saying, you know, terminology and impact and cost. And, 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 you know, whatever. I personally, and I've been on the board of NAEMT for quite a while now, and I don't remember that occurring. I remember people um, talking in, in hallways and having, you know, smaller conversations, but not really having that true visionary, how is this all going to work? Because that is a very difficult process to go okay. through. Fair but enough. I go back to the statement I'm going to make. Is that where's the evidence that shows that because a paramedic has a degree that the outcome of their patient is different. Now, in some countries like Australia and the UK and Canada, and, and we've seen a lot of those going on as part of this dialogue, those paramedics have degree requirements. Those paramedics are making six figures and more or, or in the six figure range because their role in the healthcare system is viewed as valuable they are paid well and they are educated well because they've shown that that additional training and education provides safer patient navigation, therefore bringing more value to the entire healthcare system. So they're paid more. We had, like many of the folks that might be listening, we had the ability, the, the blessing really, to do a, a site internship where we had seven, eight paramedic students from Australia come to MedStar two summers ago and spend time with us doing an internship. And all of those paramedics were in a four-year degree program. They were in their fourth year residency going to San Diego, Las Vegas, and Fort Worth to do their internship as part of their four-year degree requirement. There were nurses in that class who had gone to paramedic school because paramedics get paid more, have a higher education requirement, and are more valuable to the healthcare system. We would love to see that happen here, but we have a lot of work to do in order to show that we as paramedics and we as an EMS profession can have that additional value. We can then afford to send people to four-year or two-year college degree programs because that additional education has been proven to make a difference in the patient's outcome, bring more value to the rest of the healthcare system. 
Well, you you get into a, a chicken or the egg argument. Do, do those medics in, in those systems, they are far more valued uh, to their systems as, as navigators and gatekeepers, uh, and they can prove that, uh, that they are better at that because of their degrees. Um, how are we going to get to that point without the degrees? Oh, I, well, let me let me let me let me jump on that too, Matt, because I, I want you to. I think that's a really great question, but I want to add this caveat to it as well, because I don't know if you were if you're here looking over my shoulder, but you kind of touched on what my next question was going to be. But I think it ties into Kelly's question. So his concept is the chicken or the egg. Are they getting paid more? I want to add this. People seem to think that they'll make more money because they have a degree. How practical is that, Nehemiah? Ask teachers. Is that one of the lowest, one of the lowest paid educational professionals that requires a degree. And I don't, haven't seen, my wife was a teacher and she had a degree, she had a master's degree. And rarely does that equate to a significant change in their income. It has to do with what are people willing to pay for that service? And if people are willing to pay more, then you're going to earn more because there's more financial resources to be able to pay people more. I just had this um, interview today with a reporter that ask the questions, why are EMTs and paramedics paid so low? And you really got to get down to the nuts and bolts of how EMS is funded. And I know Skip Kirkwood will love this. If, if EMS were funded like the fire departments and the police departments, and 90% of the revenue, if not more, comes from a tax base, now you just need to convince your taxpayers that a degreed paramedic is worth more than a non-degreed paramedic and they'll be willing to pay more. They'll be able, they'd be willing to pay more taxes to be able to pay higher salaries, and now we can afford to send people to two- or four-year degree programs. But I, I think back to Kelly's question, there are probably, now I don't know this for a fact, but there are probably enough practicing field paramedics who have degrees and some that don't have degrees, find them, survey their medical directors and their agency directors, and find out if they are better patient care providers because they have a degree, do they have fewer QA issues? Do they write better narratives? Um, do they make better clinical decisions? Just survey. Do a study. A survey does not research make. Um, yeah. that, that's that's so pretty... design research. So design research. You've got okay. our data. I guess my next question goes to this, Matt. So we know the position. The position is that there needs to be more dialogue. NEMT believes in enhanced educational requirements for the EMS workforce that's, that support the evolving role of EMS. What is it going to take to... To think about this as a uh, from the career field side, to say that it's time for degrees. I mean, what has to happen for us to think? Because you know, let's go ahead and think about where we are. Does a degree make a difference in how you know I'm going to do my patient care? You know, maybe I'll spell a little bit better. Maybe I'll know where to put the commas a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe I'll know how to, uh, you know, work the, you know, the tough books a little bit better, you know, but when we think about the things that we learn in school, we think about those two years of college that gets us our, you know, those, those core classes that we need, you know, the, the histories and the, those types of things. And then maybe we talk a little bit about EMS, but when we talk about community paramedicine, that's really going to change the paradigm of the work that we're doing. And, you know, I think that we're really going to be taking more of a level of, being, uh, you know, PAs. I mean, we, we kind of have that little role in the field now, but I think we're going to start to see paramedics become PAs and nurses and nurse practitioners. And those paramedics with their roots now 
uh, in paramedicine are now going to probably stay within the field. So I, I guess my question as I set that up comes back to the fact of what is it going to take now to have this discussion and come out with something that says, you know, maybe not for today's EMS, but for tomorrow's EMS, this is really needed. That's exactly what our position is. Because where you, when you read the position, it says that the evolving role of paramedics in our healthcare system will require additional education up to and including a degree. But again, the industry, the profession needs to have that dialogue to figure out what are the things that we're not considering when it comes to requiring. And, you know, I would say that maybe a two-year degree probably is bare minimum for the expanded navigation role and, and the things that we're getting paid to do now that are not just transporting somebody from point A to, to an emergency department. You know, I know in our organization, a bachelor's degree is required is required for management level. And an advanced degree, a master's degree, is required to be on the executive team. So when you look at the overall professionalization of our industry, moving from technicians to clinicians to people who are preventing 911 calls, who are navigating patients through the rest of the healthcare system, which those things bring more value. I go back to the 200 agencies that have sustained transformation to do something different than just react to a 911 call. In many respects, most of those agencies are getting paid to do that service. I know at MedStar, it's a huge revenue stream for us, and we can afford to pay those paramedics more because we have more revenue coming in the economic model is much more conducive to paying medical professionals in the field as opposed to technicians who follow a protocol and take someone to the hospital. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So I, I wanna, I'm going to jump in here on Kelly's question because you know one of the things that I think I've learned from you over the years is you don't get anything unless you ask for it. So I'm, I'm going to make an ask. And when we think about NAMT, and, uh, you know, being the association of providers, I'm going to ask that any EMT step up or, or let me ask you, let me ask you this way. What does NAEMT need to do to step up to be that voice that gets everybody to the table to finally have this discussion? I, I want to make that ask. I want to make that challenge to you. I think that we would be more than willing to serve in a convener role to invite all of the alphabet associations you know, from the fire service, the physicians, the educators, the state regulators, um, and then quite frankly, more importantly, bring together the people who are also going to have to pay for this enhanced level of education and honestly pay EMTs and paramedics finally what they're worth, but bring in America's health insurance plans and uh, the National Association of Counties and the National League of Cities, the people that are going to have to fund EMS in a different way in order for our folks to not only not have to work three jobs just to pay their mortgage, um, not have to work, you know, 56-hour shifts on, on mandatory holdover because there's no replacement for them, but bring those people to the table as well because we need to hear from them about what are they willing to put on the table to help us become more valuable to them. It's not just the EMS profession. We have external stakeholders. You know, CMS is, has hinted that they're going to make some announcement about a payment policy change. Great. 
third-party insurers are already starting to do it. Bring everybody to the table and say, what should be the role of a paramedic in the out-of-hospital healthcare system, and what value are you willing to pay for this level of whatever service it is that you think brings you value? Because the way that it's currently operating, Chris and Kelly, I think you'd, you'd agree that for a lot of the services, especially on the ambulance side, it's a race to the bottom as far as reimbursement and bids for contracts and 911 services. And we're right. doing ourselves a disservice without having that dialogue. Well, I, I for one, would, would welcome NAEMT as, as a convener for that, that discussion and that sort of panel. Um, back to the, the, the research issue. You mentioned, Matt, that there was a dearth of research that proves the, the efficacy of, of paramedic degrees. And for that matter, there's, there's very little research that, that shows that paramedics, period, improve outcomes. How would you respond to people who would point out that the vast majority of, of major research is done in academic institutions uh, and in most of those academic institutions that, that conduct paramedic programs, we are certificate programs who are the unwanted and neglected uh, stepchildren of academia. Um, so how are we going to be able to do that research on our profession to prove our worth without the, the academic and institutional support that a degree awarding program would, would confer? We may be mixing apples and oranges here, Kelly, but I think that the person who conducts the research, which generally would be a, a graduate or a PhD level for sure to be able to do the research, can do research on, on the subject without having to do it through, I, I think what you're hinting at is sort of a conflicted party. It no, not, be, not necessarily a conflicted party, just, just simply, uh, you know, it, it's not uh, it's an expensive uh, undertaking to perform significant, you know, conduct significant research um, without uh, you, you say that that one person can choose to do research, but they're going to have to have infrastructure. They're going to have to have support. Uh, they're going to have to have a whole lot of logistical support uh, to conduct that that research. Uh, and and since most EMS education programs in, in these colleges are 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 not degree programs. We're kind of an afterthought when it comes to devoting those sorts of resources. The point I was, I was trying to make. Yeah, you know, Kelly, here, here's what I would say, is that when you go down the laundry list of associations that have taken a position on this mm -hmm. issue, ask them to pony up and say, okay, this is your position, prove it. Yeah, and I think prove that's- it makes difference. Prove right, it doesn't okay. make Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's happened in the career field. I mean, even when we talk about clinical evidence-based, people are saying, let's do this, and there's no evidence behind it. So, right. so well, but in the pro position paper, there was, there was quite a few uh, citations supporting their position. Uh, not all of it was directly uh, paramedic-related. Uh, but in the opposition position paper, there was zero research to support their uh, position other than opinion. So I, I don't know that it's fair to say that, that uh, they haven't ponied up for research or that they're, they're citing opinions without uh, any supporting documentation. And I, don't, I don't disagree, but you go to National Registry and say, okay, give us a listing of all certified paramedics through National Registry. Or you go to NISAMSO and say, give us a listing of all of the certified paramedics that are working in EMS. And by the way, just having that number would be hugely valuable because no one has that number either. And, and then literally, randomly select however you design the research project to 
find out, are they better care providers in general because of a degree or those that don't have a degree? And now you have a basis for really taking a strong position on this is what it's going to take to move the career field for the traditional EMS. Right. Now, I think, again, I don't think anybody disagrees that for the expanded role, the enhanced services that we're providing, absolutely, you know, degree requirement. But for a 30-year paramedic who's working in an urban setting or in any setting for that matter, if they're doing a great job and they're making good clinical decisions for their patient contact, it's hard to, it may be, although it might not be, it may be hard to prove that if they had, you know, another 12 credit hours and could write better narratives, that their care is going to be any, any different and their patient outcomes are going to be better. But let's at least find out. Let's at least try. All right. You know, so Matt, I have one more question and I'm sure Kelly will have one more before we get to our close. You know, there has been a lot of folks online who have made mention of, you know, what am I, why do I need to be a member of NAMT? What is my money going for? Uh, you know, I'm disappointed by this lack of whatever. Why do I need to be a member of NAMT? What do you tell those people? I say it's a very fair question. NAMT is more than just an organization that takes positions on issues. When you look at the federal legislation, the now the support for state level education, for the promotion of the evolution, the transformation of the EMS system into more than just doing uh, first response or ambulance transport, becoming more of a partner in the healthcare system, enhancing revenues, enhancing value, um, all of those things, in addition to all the education stuff, all of those things are advocating for the profession, creating tools for um, EMS agency leaders to be able to explain the new value of EMS to uh, stakeholders and, and multiple different stakeholders, um, the education being provided on tactical combat care and all of the clinical things that we're doing and all the federal legislation that any EMT is working on in partnership with the IFC, the IFF, or the, all the different folks, having that presence to literally advocate for our members is the value of being part of this association. And Chris, several months ago, you did a great um, podcast on why anybody in a profession needs to be part of professional associations. And this is part of that. And it doesn't always have to be NAEMT. Pick one that you think is best aligned. But before you make that decision, look at all the things that any of the associations do for their members before you just pick one issue and say, uh, this is the issue that's going to cause me to resign without having a conversation with someone about it, which has been one of the most frustrating things. I personally have reached out to several people who have been very vocal and, quite frankly, vicious on social media, hiding behind a keyboard to write letters, write posts, but won't take a call from someone to have a conversation about the issue. And it just makes me nuts. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you make excellent points in that, that the, the core mission of NAEMT and, and the advocacy efforts of NAEMT um, extend far beyond uh, espousing whatever educational requirements uh, are, are the flavor of the month. So, uh, And that's a point well made. Uh, I still uh, I, I remain unconvinced that, that we couldn't take a stronger position uh, on on degree requirements for paramedics, but, but I have to say that, that uh, you've given me pause to, to seriously consider whether 
um, that one issue is enough for me to to bail on the organization. Uh, I will probably still go find an organization that will uh, more strongly advocate for degree requirements for paramedics, but I don't necessarily think that that uh, uh, um, that and NAEMT membership is is mutually exclusive. So I don't think I'll be leaving anytime soon. I want to pose a question for you, Matt, to 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 kind of wrap it up because. Uh, as you say, the keyboard terrorists and the the the, the people who uh, are are really uh, mouthy on social media but won't take a simple phone call have made these allegations. Um, and I want to pose a question to you: As a uh, at one time, I've been an EPC instructor, a PHCLS instructor, and an AMLS instructor, and I think those courses add value uh, to EMS education. However, I think they add value to to um, incomplete EMS education. Uh, so what do you say to people who, who assert that the reason you're not taking a strong stand on degree requirements, you, you, you're in favor of enhanced educational requirements. Many people are going to say, well, that's code phrase for NAEMT card courses. And of course they're going to support, uh, those card courses. That's their major revenue stream, but a person with a degree has less need for those card courses. So they're not going to come out and actually say that. How would you respond to those people? I think, Kelly, that's a really good question. And, and there's two specific examples. If paramedics went to a four-year college degree or even a two-year college degree, and the specialty skills that they need that they probably don't get enough of in the basic certification courses that mm -hmm. they're taking now, then those concepts could be built into the degree program. So uh, there's no reason why if part of your associate's degree or part of your bachelor's degree, which may be an eventual goal, that you need to have specialty training in trauma life support, whatever you want to call it. Don't put it on any EMT. But you're going to need to have some really good education on specific disease processes, pediatric care, trauma care, cardiac care. And all of those educational programs could be built into a four-year college degree or two-year college degree program, depending on, again, what level of, of, of degree program that people want. So that's certainly possible, and NEMT would support that. And if we are the selected provider for that training or that education in the, in the college courses, university-based courses, terrific. On the same token, physicians who graduate with a MD or a DO, mm -hmm. even with all of that training, the hospitals, the places that they work, still require ACLS certification, advanced trauma course certification. So that specific education is always going to be required to make sure that you are continually proficient at those critical clinical interventional skills that you need to save lives. And and the those physicians that belong to their their major organizations like the AMA uh, rail uh, uh, against those requirements, those card course requirements, just like the the EMTs and paramedics do. <laughs> but, but, but the so, credentialing, the credentialing bodies, the hospitals and the and mm -hmm. the private physician groups that contract with hospitals to work in, mm -hmm. in emergency departments still require their physicians to have that additional training. Why should we expect anything less from paramedics? Uh, good point. Matt, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. 
at least you reached out to us uh, to defend uh, NAEMT's uh, position on the subject and to uh, and to explain the nuances in coming to that decision. That's more than I can say for for uh, some of the people we've invited. Uh, a lot of bravery, and and uh, we appreciate you being on the show today. I respect you guys. I respect your opinions. I respect your platform. And without with people that won't take phone calls to have this kind of dialogue with your followership a great way for people to at least understand some of the thought processes that went behind developing the position paper. Okay. Well, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Folks, NAEMT is your representative organization. They can't make decisions. They can't stake positions without your input. Have you reached out to NAEMT in a constructive way and and shared with them your thoughts? That's something I was just uh, chided about by uh, by uh, my partner here, um, and uh, we urge you to do the same. So let us know what you think at the show at ems1.com. Reach out to your board members at NAEMT and let them know what you think. For myself, co-host Chris Cevallero, and our special guest this week, Matt Zavadsky, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.